0: Dear brothers and sisters, over Lent we have traveled with Jesus. We began in the wilderness of sin on that first Sunday of Lent where we learned that with Christ we can conquer temptation. We saw the glory to which we were called in the transfiguration the next week and then Jesus met us at the well of the world and promised to give us the living water of the Holy Spirit that would satisfy the deepest desires of our hearts. He opened our eyes as he opened the eyes of the blind man to see the world as it really is. And then he met us on the fifth Sunday of Lent at the place of our greatest fear, the tomb. And he called us out of the misery of sin and death. He then rode into the city of Jerusalem, and as we accompanied him, he was a conquering king. A king who conquers through humility, however. Now, Jesus has invited you and me on this journey with him, just as he invited his disciples. Yet a question remains. Why did Jesus begin this journey? Why did he come from the Father? And what is he doing? What was his purpose? Why did Jesus come? Now, if we've got any RE or school kids here, they've heard me ask that question a hundred times. It's almost every time I come into a classroom, or at least with the littles, I ask, why why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus come? To save us. They know the answer. They know the answer that we profess Sunday after Sunday in the creed. To save us. And that simplicity is necessary. And the beauty of that answer is magnificent. Yet within that mystery of salvation. Which we begin celebrating in a particular way during these days of the Holy Trinity. We find an almost scandalous truth.
1: In the beginning
0: was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and He was in the beginning with God. And all things came to be through Him. What came to be through Him was light, and this light was the light of the human race. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And to those who did accept Him, He, be, he gave the power To become the sons and daughters of God. See, Jesus came not only to heal our nature, but even further to raise us up. To make us sons and daughters. To take us back to the Father. And tonight we hear about that in the Gospel. All things were given over to Him. And He had come from the Father and He was returning to Him. He makes us part of The family. Yet that came at a cost. Before every feast, there must be a sacrifice. On a human level, uh, I remember when I was a kid, even now, I still love Thanksgiving and Christmas and Easter because of the family who gathered. And I also enjoyed the food, obviously. As I grew older, I understood, though, that all of that came at a cost. Not only financial, right? All that but that joy came at a cost. There was the sacrifice involved on the part of parents and adults who spent hours preparing our home and then sometimes we complainingly helped and all the food as well being prepared for the joy of the communion that would take place on the feast day. It also came at the cost of people sometimes traveling a long distance to be together. But that sacrifice bore fruit in joy. Jesus came to invite us to this most sacred supper of his family with his Father. But in a far greater way, the invitation to that eternal marriage feast of the Lamb requires sacrifice. So now, where is Jesus? Jesus is in the upper room with his closest companions, the apostles, and perhaps a few others, and he's eating dinner. What is Jesus doing there, and why is it so important? The Last Supper was on the evening before the lambs were slaughtered in the temple for the feast of Passover. And notably, in the story of the the Last Supper meal, no mention of a Passover lamb is made in the texts of the Gospels. This is strange. Strange. Where is the lamb? Where is the lamb for sacrifice? That question has redounded down the ages from the time before the Passover in the words of Isaac that Isaac spoke to his father as they climbed the mountain to offer sacrifice. Father, here is the knife. Here is the wood. Here is the fire. Where is the lamb for sacrifice? And it resounds in the hearts of every human being who recognizes his or her failure to live according to the call written into every human heart. Where is the lamb for sacrifice? Where is the one who can reconcile me to God? It resounds, however, dimly even in those who reject God. How can I make a return to the Lord for all his blessings to me? And tonight, Jesus points to himself as the Lamb of God, the one sacrifice who will make us sons and daughters of his Father. His sacrifice will be ultimately made clear when he is raised high on the cross. Yet what he does tonight and what he does tomorrow should be considered as one action. The identification between what he does on this night And what happens on Calvary is total. The words, take and eat, this is my body. Take and drink, this is my blood given for you, are fulfilled in the crucifixion. The offering at the Last Supper and the offering on the cross are one in the same. In indicating his self-sacrifice though, he also shows himself today to be the high priest Of the new covenant, which is sealed in his blood. It is the office and purpose of a priest to mediate between God and men, to offer sacrifice to God, and to offer God's blessings to people. So, what is Jesus doing? Tonight, Jesus, the high priest, is preparing the sacrifice for his people, and he himself is that sacrifice. Now to perpetuate that offering, which is the same offering of Calvary at all times and all places, Jesus institutes the ministerial priesthood tonight. The sacrament of holy orders takes its root from the reading we just had. On this night of the Last Supper, Jesus invites all of his disciples to follow him in priestly service to the Father. All the baptized, you and I, are priestly people who are called to offer sacrifice. This is made especially clear at the Mass. Every time we celebrate Mass, when the priest turns to the people and says, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours would be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. At this moment, you exercise your office of offering. And Jesus takes your offering and makes it into a blessing. Yet Jesus not only adorns all the people he has called with a royal priesthood, but with a brother's kindness. He also chooses men to become sharers in his own sacred ministry through the laying on of hands. This reality is expressed in that second part of the statement of that command that we hear at every Mass. That my sacrifice that my sacrifice and yours would be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. The sacrifices of priests and people are related, yet they're distinct. The priest acting in the person of Christ, the head, renews the sacrifice of human redemption and thus sets before the people of God the Paschal banquet, this most sacred supper, On the day of my ordination as a priest, brothers and sisters, that was 1,013 days ago, Bishop Vasquez handed me a chalice filled with wine for the offering and a patent with bread on it, which was to become the body and blood of Christ. Yet before he gave me that chalice and patent, Before I was ordained to have the sacred power of calling down the Holy Spirit upon gifts of bread and wine in order to offer that saving oblation, a death was required. This death took the following form. My fellow ordinands and I made the promises of ordination. We promised to care for the flock entrusted to us to preach the word to celebrate the Eucharist worthily, to pray for our people, and to consecrate ourselves to God for the salvation of all. Most especially with Bishop's hands surrounding ours. We made a promise of respect and obedience to him and his successors. And then in a sign of what our lives were to be, my classmates and I prostrated ourselves on the floor before the altar as the litany of the saints was sung. Only after laying down our lives, then we rose and knelt before the bishop who ordained us priests through the imposition of his hands and the invocation of the Holy Spirit. And anointing our hands with chrism, he set them aside for sacred service for the sacred service of giving the Eucharist to others and binding, he bound them with a cloth. Only after we had laid down our lives for others in imitation of Christ and in a foreshadowing of what our lives were to be as priests, a wi- as, to be as a willing victim as Christ was, did Bishop command us to receive the oblation of the holy people, to be offered to God. He commanded us to understand what we do, to imitate what we celebrate, and to conform our lives to the mystery of the Lord's cross. Those words, brothers and sisters, have resounded in my mind repeatedly as I have come to follow Jesus more and more closely as a priest they have guided me in many ways in moments of challenge and difficulty those words place a challenge upon me and upon every priest for our lives are meant to be so totally at the service of others salvation that is what Jesus did when he came to save us (laughs) to will our good And the gesture we make of washing each other's feet expresses precisely this. It is the servant love of Jesus that draws us out of our pride and makes us fit for God. And only that type of sacrifice makes a priest's work maximally fruitful. Now that sacrifice is exemplified in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, but it extends to his entire life. So we priests must model our lives on this example. We must be willing to sacrifice not only in big ways, but in very small ways as well. The words pronounced by each priest at every Eucharistic celebration, this is my body, must become our words as well. They're not pronounced merely as a remembrance or in the third person, but rather in the first person. If I am not living them out in the rest of my life, I am not doing something right. I must not only be a priest of Jesus Christ, but I must be a willing victim as he was. The priest is not his own. And admittedly, No human priest, no merely human priest is perfect and lamentably as well. As we all know, there are priests who have not been willing to give themselves as victims as well or who have sinned grievously. On behalf of myself and my brothers, I apologize to anyone who has been hurt by a priest in a big or small way. And my dear sons and daughters, I beg you to pray for priests who are willing to be victims as Christ was, for the glory of God the Father and the sanctification of his people. Priests who desire to show the Father's heart to those whom they serve, pray for men from our parish to offer their lives in this way, Friends, I invite you to pause now, to take a moment, and to pray for the following priests. To pray for the priest who baptized you. To pray for the priest who gave you your first communion. The priests who have heard your confessions. And the priest who will anoint you and bury you when you die. Friends, Jesus' new commandment, love one another as I love you, is spoken to all people. How can we all, as priests and people, do this? Jesus offered because he knew and loved the Father, and he received the love of the Father. We must let ourselves be immersed in the Lord's mercy then that our hearts, too, will discover the right path. The new commandment is not simply a new and higher demand. It is linked to the newness of Jesus Christ and what he is doing in coming from the Father and going to the Father. In other words, friends, before we are able to give, we must first receive the sacrifice of Jesus In the Gospel reading today, St. Peter first tries to reject this immersion in the mercy of God. He tries to refuse, out of a sense of false humility, to receive a gracious gift of God bowing down before him and washing his feet as a slave would do. Peter does not understand yet that he is not the one dictating the terms. He must allow Jesus to be Jesus if he is to receive salvation. I have given you another example. I've given you an example to follow. As I have done for you, so you must also do for one another. We cannot receive the Eucharist worthily, friends, if we are not ready also to become what we eat. To participate in the Eucharist is to participate In the work of our redemption. To participate in that redemption is to will the good of all, as Jesus did. Shown in the Eucharist, we too must die by offering ourselves as victims to give life to others. Just as Christ was recognized in the breaking of the bread, so we too must offer ourselves to be broken, mortified, and made a victim in order to make Christ known to the glory of God the Father.